everybody. Welcome out to River Ridge. Those that are here in the auditorium, those that are joining us online, uh, wherever you might be joining us, we are so thankful that you have chosen to put a priority on your relationship with God and joining us this morning. Uh, as you just saw in that video, we are thrilled that in a few weeks we're going to be able to regather in person for Ridge Kids and Wire. That's on September 13th. And I know everybody here has experienced the ups and downs and the uncertainty over these last six months. And even now things are, are still so fluid, but, but we feel confident that this is uh, an appropriate next step for us as a church. We've, we've gone through this season and, and taken really slow uh, and, and measured steps throughout this, but we are excited to, to bring our kids, your kids back into Ridge Kids and, um, and Wired. And, and talking with the staff and, and some of the leaders they're thrilled to be able to, to, to see the kids again and be able to, to point them in the direction of God. And they've been diligently working through just about every detail imaginable from cleaning protocols to, to how to register to uh, activities that can kind of make it more of a low touch, but, but always emphasizing that it's a clean, safe, and fun environment for your kids to come and learn about who this God is that loves them and wants to have a relationship with them. So in preparation of that, in just a few weeks, there are a couple of things that, that we ask um, if we get some help from you. Number one, if you haven't already, if you could hop online to riverridge.org slash ridgekids, there's a quick survey on there just to let us know what, what your intentions are for the fall, whether you're planning on staying virtual, whether you're planning on bringing your kids uh, with you and what service time. That, that'd be a huge help for us in, in uh, finalizing some preparations for us. And then based on that initial feedback, so we did that a couple weeks ago, and based on that initial feedback, we know that we're going to need some uh, additional roles filled in the coming weeks. So in order to start strong, if you're not currently serving in some place, we have plenty of places where you can kind of plug in, and we have something for everybody. If you're a techie and you want to do production and camera gear and that kind of stuff, there's some spaces there. There's some opportunities to, to serve upstairs in Ridge Kids or in Wired. And even for those that, that may not be ready to come back in person yet, there's, there's something for you as well. I mean, you can come in throughout the week and serve in the office in some way. Or if you just want to work remotely from your house, there are some ways for you to be able to care and to love the, the people in our community. But uh, in order for us to be able to launch strong, if you're not currently serving, consider ways to plug in. You can go to riverridge.org serve fill out a, a quick form, and all that entitles you to is a phone call from a, from a ministry leader. They'll get in touch with you, answer any questions you might have, get you trained up, and get you plugged in. But we are excited to be able to take this next step in the life of our church during this weird season and appreciate uh, your patience and your willingness to, to hop in. So before we dive into God's Word this morning, let's pray together. Father, we are, we are thankful that you have indeed met with us already. Uh, we're thankful for an opportunity to gather together as your people, to sing songs back to you, and to be reminded of these eternal truths of your love for us and the hope that is anchored in the person of Christ. Um, and now, God, as we turn our attention to your word, uh, we open up your word and we open up our lives. Um, we just pray that you would give us the, the ears to hear and then the courage to apply what you would have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in week three of this sermon series called Stay Positive. Um, this has been a crazy season all the way around. I, for me, it, I, I can't remember a time that was, that's been more uh, divisive, more filled with division or, or cynicism. I mean, you, you look at the headlines and you scroll down through social media and it's just filled with, with negativity. And, and it's so easy to get our minds sucked in that same direction. But as followers of Jesus, 
we're called to something different. And we're called to focus in on. We're called to train our eyes to be positive. The first week we, we looked at Philippians 4.8, where Paul encourages us to say, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right and pure and lovely and admirable, think on those things. That what we're called to do is to stay positive. The first week we talked about the dangers of complaining and how that, that can draw us into to that kind of negative thought pattern. And last week we talked about the power of gratitude, to, to keep negativity at bay, to, to uh, open up our, our contentment level. And we learned that, that gratitude is not complete until it's expressed. And I, I hope that, that you have taken on that challenge of finding the things in your life to be thankful for and then expressing that gratitude to, to people or to God. And today, we're going to look at the power of our words. I was reading this week that the average person speaks 16,000 words a day. Uh, to give you some context of what that is, that, that would fill a 50-page book every single day. And, and I know that there's, that there's a spectrum in this room. There are some that will say, you know, that would take me a month to do that. You're very uh, economic in your word choice, and there are others that say, I'd knock that out before breakfast. And we have one of those knock-it-out-before-breakfast persons in our household, our Annie. She's just bursting with words. She hits the ground running and has to share everything all the time. And what would take me about a sentence to be able to, to express, it takes her three or four paragraphs. So this past week, we were eating dinner together, and Annie was, was telling a story, and she told every single detail of everything. And one of her brothers interrupted and said, Annie, can you please just get to the point already? And so, I mean, I recognize everybody in this room, you're across the board, but the average person, not the Annie's of the world, speaks 16,000 words a day. That makes up for 20% of our waking hours. We are constantly talking. We are constantly talking to ourselves and thinking. We're constantly processing things and talking to other people. So it shouldn't surprise us that God would have something to say about how we spend 20% of our lives. There's this opportunity to either be negative or be positive. And our words are so powerful. With our words, we can bless or we can curse. Your life and my life has been deeply impacted by the words that have been spoken to us or about us. Isn't it true that words impact our self-confidence? What words impact who it is that we see in the mirror when we look in the mirror. P people who had no self-confidence can gain confidence based on a positive word. I, I believe in you. You can do it. I, I'm proud of you. I love you. And likewise, you can wreck a person's self-confidence with a negative word. You'll never amount to anything. I, I never want to see you again. I hate you. Words are powerful and can completely shift the way that we see ourselves. I, our relationships are driven by our words. Words profoundly shape our marriages. Maybe there was a time when you and your spouse uh, loved each other. You were on the same page. You, you dreamed about your future together, but maybe you got careless with your words. And, and in anger, you said some things and, and you eroded the, the, the trust in the relationship. You damage the relationship. Or, or maybe you would even look back and say, you know what, it, it was words that were the cause of the end of my first marriage. Words can completely wreck a friendship. They, they, we can look back maybe and see even how our words may have ended a job because they have power. 
And isn't it true that, that we recognize that all words aren't created equally? We tend to place a whole lot more weight on criticism than we do anything else. It's, for some reason, criticism uh, and negative words tend to stick with us so much longer. I don't know who came up with the nursery rhyme that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, because that is patently untrue. I mean, how many of us carry around the wounds because of words to this day, words that were spoken to us five years, 10 years, 15, 25 years ago? Words sometimes are actually the hardest things for us to get over. And tragically, you, you see headlines from time to time of, of teenagers or, or young adults who actually take their lives because of the nonstop bullying, the nonstop mocking or belittling that, that come from, from their peers. And it used to be that you could escape some of that bullying, but when you go home, you could just shut the door. But, but with social media, there's 24-hour access, and it never stops. Words literally have the power of life and death. So again, we would expect that a God who loves us has something to say about how we wield that power in our lives. Well, to guide our time together this morning, we're going to be in James chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps or whatever you have, turn to James chapter 3. Uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of a reminder, James is the half-brother of Jesus. And, and he was the, the first leader in the, the church, the early church in Jerusalem. And in the, um, the first century, this was an issue. P people were not being wise with how they used their words. So he tackles this issue head-on in James chapter 3. We'll pick up in verse 1. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. I, I love how James starts off and he says that, that we all stumble, and he includes himself in this, that, that we all make mistakes in this area of our lives. We're going to mess up with how we use our words. And it's not always deliberate. And from time to time, we, we slip up, and, and the worst comes out of us, especially when we're tired or hurt or angry or frustrated and he says, listen, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I'm at the front of the line here. And because I'm a teacher, because I am a preacher, my words carry a lot of weight. What, what I say influences what people think about God and how they live their lives. And James realizes that, that God's going to hold him accountable for how he uses his words. But, but this warning about the power of words and, and the accountability that God has for our words, it isn't just limited to, to preachers or teachers. It applies to anyone who uses their words to instruct or to influence others. So if you're here and, and you teach in a classroom, this applies to you. If you're here and, and you're someone's boss or, or you are a parent or if you are a coach, what James is about to say applies to you. From the outset, James is saying that we all need to make sure that we understand that God has expectations on how his people use their words. And over the course of these following verses, James is going to share with us four different analogies to drive home the importance of understanding the power of our tongue. In verse 3, he says, uh, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. 
He uses these two analogies. And in our day and age, I mean, you, you watch the, the Kentucky Derby or, or another horse race of some kind, and it's amazing. To, you look at these huge animals, these 1,000-pound horses, and you have this little jockey that's sitting on their back that may be 100 pounds soaking wet, but yet he can steer this massive animal with a small piece of metal in its mouth. Or, or you think about a, a cruise ship. These things are massive, five, six, seven, eight stories high, holding three, four, five thousand people. It, and yet the pilot, one guy, the captain, can steer this whole massive ship with a small rudder. And he uses these two metaphors to remind us that in the exact same way, our tongues are disproportionately influential in the direction of our lives. If you're taking notes, this is the first thing to make note of, is, that, is our tongues determine the direction of our lives. This little four-inch muscle in our mouth is able to influence the direction and the quality of our lives. Something so small can have a huge impact on how we experience this life of ours. And James is saying someone needs to rein in the tongue. Someone needs to control the reins of the tongue. Someone needs to control the rudder of our lives because if we can control our tongues, then we can control the direction of our lives. He goes on with another analogy. He says, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. He has these really strong words about how disruptive our tongues can be and how it can influence the rest of our lives. And, and so he, he paints us this picture of the destruction that's caused by a wildfire. And right now we, we can look at what's happening in Northern California and, and there's this small spark. It's caused by the, the ember maybe in a, in a campfire that wasn't put out all the way or, or a cigarette bud or, or a lightning strike. And this small spark once lit can get out of control in a matter of hours. And before you know it, towns are being devastated and, and, and towns are being evacuated and whole lives are being destroyed and it can take years to recover from a wildfire. And James is wanting us to see that same thing. The same thing is true with the way that we use our words. Our tongues have destructive potential. This is the area of my life that, that when I'm pushed or when I'm angry or when I'm hurt that I can inflict so much damage on another person with a precisely placed sarcastic comment or a phrase or a dig or a criticism I can ignite a fire and I can torch someone and have these long lasting wounds and once that fire is lit it burns out of control I no longer have any control over what happens after that and James is saying you think that you can manage this you think that you can enter into a conflict and that you can handle this tongue of yours. But I think we've all been in those situations that you enter into a conflict and then before you know it, 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 gets, it gets out of hand. And somebody says something in anger and, and they torch the other person, but it doesn't stop there, does it? Because now there are two fires and they go back and they start defending their position against somebody else and now you have two completely different parties that, that are pitting against each other and now November comes and nobody wants to come to Thanksgiving because nobody likes each other all because of one conversation one small spark that lit, lit and spread through 
the entire family. And James is saying, before you speak, remember that your words are like fire. And once they're spoken, you can't control and you can't reverse the consequences once it leaves your mouth. And for me, it's a reminder that, that I realize that there are times where I just toss aside a, a, a word carelessly, that, that I don't feel the weight of what it is that I'm saying, that I don't recognize the potential that some of my words have to be life-defining for somebody else. James is reminding us that this tongue has the potential for endless evil and that we are all born with our pilot light lit. And that small spark can cause humongous damage. So he says, be careful, be mindful of the power and the potential that your tongue has to inflict damage on someone else. He, can, he carries on in verse 7, he says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. And he says, we're able to somehow tackle the animal kingdom, but we are not able to tame this tongue of ours. He flat out says, your tongue will never fully be under control. There will always be an unpredictable nature to it. Um, that You will never outgrow your need to guard your mouth. And he gives one last analogy in verses 9 through 12. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear, olive, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He, he looks at them and he's saying, it's so unnatural what comes out of your mouth. It's like salt water coming out of a fresh spring. You, you say you love God. You, you come to church on Sunday. You, you, you sing the words that, that are up on the screens, and then the rest of the week, you use that same mouth to curse others, to slander others, to, to gossip about, about them. These people who are made in the image of God, and James says, that, that doesn't make any sense. And the hard part is, is that the outside world is looking at what's coming out of your mouth as the real marker of your faith. So the last thing that we need to be aware of is that our tongues can ruin our influence with outsiders. This analogy that, that James uses of fresh water and spring, or, or salt water and fresh water, reminds me of the time where Jesus approaches the woman at the well. This woman who was trying to look for answers in all the wrong places. And she comes to Jesus and Jesus says, I know what you're doing. You're thirsting for answers. And I have come to give you living water. I've come to give you the kinds of answers that you will never thirst again. And then he has given us, as his church, as his people, the opportunity to share that same kind of living water with others. We live in a world that is thirsting for hope. Thirsting for love. Thirsting for answers and what James is, is telling us is that if that person, if that person who is seeking after God, they finally muster the courage to come to church or, or to talk to a believer, but their interaction with the Christian was hurtful. It was hate-filled. It's like a mouthful of salt water. That's the picture that James is trying to paint. And he's saying, that isn't right. People are rejecting Jesus because of the words that Christians have spoken to them. 
And what James wants us, he wants us to feel that weight. He wants us to feel the eternal weight that comes with our words. And then the passage ends. James drops it right there. Doesn't give any application, doesn't give any corrective steps. And I think what he's trying to do is to emphasize that there is no once and for all solution to how do we handle our tongue. His point is to, I think, simply make us understand the gravity and the weight of what comes out of our mouths, that there is this constant potential for messing up our lives and for messing up the lives of others. So be careful. Be watchful because you're never safe. This tongue of ours has to be constantly guarded, constantly watched. So, so what do we do with this? Hey, how do we actually guard our tongues? Even though we, we can't fully tame it, how, how do we get to a place where we can actually guard a little bit better our tongues? So I want to give us three ways to help tame the tongue or, or it could also be applied to, to taming the thumb because I think what James is talking about equally applies to the way that we text others, the way that we interact with others online as well. So if you're taking notes, the first is th- that we need to pause. I, that's simple to say. Sometimes that's hard to follow. I, I don't know about you, but I look back and I, I could have avoided some of my biggest relational regrets if I had heeded that right there. If I just hit the pause button and not said something in anger or not said something in the heat of the moment. Earlier, James in James chapter 1 says this. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to text, slow to post, and slow to become angry. If we understand the weight of our words and if we want to make sure that our words are used to, to build up and not tear down, then the first thing that we need to learn to do is to hit that pause button, to slow down. And, and here's what happens. When we hit the pause button, it allows us to re-engage that filter, right? It, hitting that pause button, just because I think it doesn't mean that it needs to be shared. It, it allows for emotions to settle down a little bit. It, it allows for us to, to, to make a quick estimation of, okay, if I say this, how might that influence the other person? Where, where might this conversation go? And we can decide in that moment, okay, I better not go that, down that direction. Because I think we've all been in conversations before where it starts out as a one, and, and then before you know it, the back and forth just escalates, and you're at a 10 before you can even count to 10. And hitting the pause button allows us to de-escalate the situation. And I'm not saying that you ignore the issue. It, it, James says be quick to listen, slow to speak. He doesn't say to speak at all. If it's an important enough situation, it'll be there later. But what you can do is attack it at a later time where calmer heads can come into it and you can actually resolve the issue. And here's the thing with this one. I think we all know it, that we won't always succeed in this. James at the very beginning of the passage says, we all stumble in this area. So when we stumble, and we will, he says, don't just shrug your shoulders. Don't just blow it off and act like, okay, that's normal. Everybody does it, so I'm not going to do anything about it. I think that we need to own that. We need to come back to the person that we have harmed, own what our words have done, and apologize. And this is huge, I think, especially for parents. If we want our kids to understand the power of their words, then if we misspoke or when we misspeak, then we need to go back to them and own what we have done and apologize to them as well. So to handle the tongue a little bit better, we first need to pause, and then we need 
to ponder. We need to actually give some thought to what it is that we are about to say. Remember that your words are powerful and that they are influential. So think before you speak. Years ago, I, I ran across the, this uh, acrostic that I think is helpful for me, has been helpful for me, to think through what it is that I'm about to share with somebody else. So think, it, is it true? Is what I'm about to say true? It, is it helpful? Is it inspiring? It, if our job is to encourage folks into the direction of God, to inspire next steps for them towards God, is what I'm about to say, does it do that? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Again, just because I think it and just because it's true doesn't mean that I need to share it. And then lastly, is it kind? Man, that would be such a helpful discipline to put in your life, to just hit the pause button and for 30 seconds, run the conversation, run the words you're about to share through that grid before you share it. I, that could be a game changer for a lot of our relationships. And then lastly, it's to pray. While James reminds us that, that no man can fully tame the tongue, God can. And so with this step, what we're doing is we're coming before God and we are surrendering to his power to do what we can't do on our own. I love how David says it in Psalm 141. He says, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And this prayer that we're talking about, this is not just a, a one-time prayer. This is a daily prayer. It's going before God and saying, God, this tongue of mine, this area of my life, this deadly weapon that I possess, I know that I can't control. And, and no matter how old I am, I know that James is right. And that, it, that its potential for harm far exceeds its size. And the more influence that I have, the more potential for evil that this tongue carries. So, God, I need your help. I give you control over my tongue. Would you put a guard over my mouth? Would you guard the door of my lips so that what I say is actually helpful for someone else? Can you imagine the difference that that would make in your relationships? If before you speak, you pause, you ponder, and you pray. Imagine the difference that would make in your marriages. Imagine the difference that that would make in your friendships. Imagine the difference that would make in your workplace. Those three simple steps, it, it could change your life one relationship at a time. Let me pray for us. Father, this is an area of our lives that we often just take for granted. We think that we can handle it. We think that we can get into a situation and talk ourselves out of it. And because of that, we're not as intentional as you call us to be. And what you share with us in Scripture is that our tongue, our words have the power to inspire people in your direction or not. And these truths apply to each of us because we use our words every day to communicate to those that are around us, to communicate to those that we love. And, and 
those relationships will either thrive or they will wither away based on the words that we choose. And we also see, God, that our effectiveness as a church and as, a, as followers to lead people towards that living water that you offer, that it will be connected to how we use our words and our speech. So God, we pray that you would help us to slow down, to think, to feel the weight, the eternal weight that our words carry. And we pray that the words that come out of our mouth would glorify you and that it would point others in your direction. God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for your spirit that empowers us and encourages us to be obedient in this area of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray.